Is there a coastline in Mexico that is protected by an underwater alien base? And then we go on an off-roading adventure with two young kids out on their motorbike exploring the wilderness. But little do they know something is following them. And nothing, not even the laws of physics, will stop this creature from catching them. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. Let's go ahead and give a shout out to one of our legacy Patreons, longtime supporter, Backdoor Burglar. Backdoor Burglar, thank you so much for continuing to support the show. Really, really means a lot. You're back in the captain's seat this episode. If you can't support the Patreon, that's fine too. Just help get the word out about the show. That also really, really helps out a lot. Backdoor Burglar, we're going to toss you the keys to the Jason Jalopy, and we're going to drive on out to Colorado. This is going to be a real quick story, so we're taking a little road trip. Now, this is more of an update, really, than anything. Recently, it was episode 497, I did a segment on a nasal drug called Spravato. It's an anti-suicide drug. Spray it up your nose, and it makes you not want to kill yourself for a period of time. Again, you have to go to counseling and stuff like that, but... I envisioned this dark future. That's great. That's a great drug that they've invented. It's a ketamine-based medicine. And I said in that story, I made a joke about, I can imagine a dark future where the police have a giant, giant bottle of this, and they're jumping up and down on the spray bottle, and it's spraying this spravato through the crowd, making everyone just less angry, just calms you down. Little did I know, at the time of that joke, they're doing that now. It's been going on for a while, but it's actually worse than that. What's been going on is the police are showing up to these locations. You got a crazy guy running around. Ah! And the cops will grab him, and then they call for backup. In this version, the backup is an ambulance shows up, and they inject the guy with ketamine. They don't even use the nasal spray, which would be a little more gentle. They inject ketamine right into him. A couple people have died because of this, because they're not getting the dosage right. So, there you go, there you go, that's what happens when you make a joke on a podcast and find out that it's real. I can understand when you get to the hospital, they start trying to calm you down, but when you're on the street and you're like struggling, you're like fighting the cops, the paramedic's trying to get the needle, What? who is this paramedic actually, is he Hawkeye? How's he getting into a vein? Drug users have a hard time, and they're perfectly still, because they need their drugs. This guy's fighting the dude, the, the guy has a hypernervic needle, and he shoots it into his arm. He probably wishes that they had this giant spray bottle I was talking about. Also, actually, while I'm doing updates, recently I did that episode about the young woman in Australia who her radio was playing a transmission from the future. That's been solved. The radio station actually looked into it. They released the press release uh, recently saying that it was the escape room. That was a theory that I had actually poo-pooed. I said, no, 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 I don't think they could do that. It actually was. The radio company found out that the escape room somehow was broadcasting on their frequency. It was supposed to only be heard in the escape room, but it got out. So there you go. You got two updates. One, a nice wrap-up to a transmission from the future. It wasn't a transmission from future. It's a transmission from a building 50 feet away. I also found out, here's not an update, here's just me rambling on news I found. The Department of Justice is thinking about classifying fentanyl as a weapon of mass destruction. And the reason why I found that out, because when I was thinking about this ketamine story, I thought, okay, so I made up a joke about cops using ketamine to 
disperse the crowds or basically just make them take a nap in the middle of the street. Could you make a gun? This is me. This is my thought process. Could I make a gun? Not you. I don't want you to have this. Only I can have this. It's like a super choker type gun. But instead of shooting out water, it goes poof. Shoots out like puffs of air. But in the air, it's not just air because then otherwise people are on a hot day. They're like, let's riot. And they're getting all, we're going to get a bunch of puffed air on them. Cops are like, why isn't this stopping them? More are showing up. Pop open those fire hydrants on this 110 degree day. This will be great. I can make a gun that shoots out fentanyl. So it's just because fentanyl is a powder. It's also pronounced differently, but that's okay. I'm shooting out fentanyl, and it's like... Now, I would obviously have a gas mask on, right? I'm not going to be like, oh, hope the wind doesn't change direction while I'm spraying people with this super toxic drug. And I was thinking about that. Could you make a gun? I'm sure you can make the gun. And fentanyl is relatively cheap. Not if you're buying it to be a drug user, but you can mass produce it. China just mass produces it by the metric ton, so allegedly. So you could just get these guns and you walk around. Now, now the difference between this and ketamine is ketamine, it will put you, it will calm you down. It may kill you. Fentanyl, <laughs> getting shot in the face with a fentanyl gun, uh-uh, you're not going to have a good day. But yeah, you just make like a puff gun. And you're just like, I guess I basically have not, I've, I don't know where I'm going with this segment. I've not made a Riot control weapon. I've actually just made a weapon of mass destruction, which is pretty much why the Department of Justice wants to ban it. You can dump it out of airplanes. You can cover crops in it. You can use it to poison the water supply. Don't know why I'm giving you guys this idea. You're looking over at that little pouch of fentanyl on your table. You're like, hmm, I was going to inject that. But now, now that I know I can take out a half a city with this much fentanyl. So there you go. I have now willed that into existence as well. Two weeks from now, we're going to find out about a guy who's walking around town uh, throwing fentanyl at people. A backdoor burglar. Let's hop in that dead rabbit rowboat. We're going to leave behind Colorado. We're going to row down the Colorado River. We're going to eventually get to Miramar Beach in Mexico. So we're walking around. It's all sunny and stuff like that. I'm all covered in fentanyl. Don't come near me. Don't come near me. I have a gas mask on. You don't. If you try giving me a hug, which I know you really want to do, you'll probably die. So don't do that. Don't do that. But we're walking around this beach in Mexico. This was actually a story recommended by Gerardo Campos on YouTube. So I really, really appreciate that. We're walking around the beaches in Mexico. In Mexico, you have Cidad Madrero. And Tampico, which is where their disgusting drink comes from. They're embarrassed, but that is their main export. This part of the Mexican coastline has not had a hurricane hit it since 1966. And you're thinking, okay, there's a lot of places that hurricanes don't hit. Alaska, for example. But this place is actually prime hurricane territory because before 1966, it was an issue. So why haven't there been any hurricanes hitting there since 1966? Scientists say, oh, you know, pull out their nerd chart, and they're like, based on the water levels and the humidity and the atmosphere and all sorts of dumb stuff, party poopers say it has something to do with that. But the locals actually believe in something else. And even it's funny, because the reason why I like this story is the locals believe two things, which is always funnier. They all believe one thing, that's just a cult. So in this area, you have a group called the Association of Scientific UFO Research of Tamalpais, also known as ACOT. They believe that an underwater alien base just off the coast is protecting the people of that area. 
Juan Carlos Ramon Lopez Diaz is the president of ACOT. And he says, I've been there, guys. I've been to the alien base. It's really dope. You guys should visit it sometime. And we're like, oh, that's awesome. That We will visit that with you. And his eyes eye shift side to side. He's like, uh, you have to astrally project there. So he says that he has visited the base, but he's never like taken a boat there. He's just kind of laid down. Not dreaming. Not dreaming, right? He's laid down, and then his spirit left his body. He walked around. He said that it is completely lit up, but there's no sun. It's like sealed. Otherwise, you'd be seeing fishes walk by. Actually, first off, fishes don't walk. Secondly, if you could see fish walk by, dang it, if you could see fish swim by, then you could see boats, and the boats could see you, so it couldn't be transparent. But anyways, it's a long way to say that the place is totally lit up, even though there's no sun down there. (laughs) Now that I'm saying that, why did I even take that note? There's a lot of places that aren't lit up as if there's no sun, i.e. any indoor building but anyway so he said that it was miraculous he's like what are all of these miniature suns look at i pull this little switch and a sun lights up and the aliens are like ah no more astral travelers inside of our building he said that they were nordics they were the six foot tall blonde haired blue-eyed nordic type aliens he also said they were kind of kind of jerks he says they were very cold people not to the touch just kind of like very aloof aliens He says that they actually asked him about emotions. Like, what's that thing called when you, like, leak out of your eyeballs and he's, like, crying? And they're like, yeah, tell us a little bit about that. And they start pinching his astral soul to make him cry. They're like, does this make you cry? He's like, ah. You want to know about feelings. You want to know about, like, happiness. Because they don't feel those type of things, right? But anyways, he eventually comes back to his body. (laughs) I.e., the alarm clock goes off. And he begins telling people this. Now, he wasn't... People believed this alien base was here before he went on this astral journey. This is actually really, really well known in this area. It's, there's an interesting other step to this theory where even Juan says that this is pretty likely. The aliens themselves aren't stopping the hurricanes. What it is is the collective belief of the people about the aliens is stopping the hurricane. It's almost like a Tulpa-generated force field. So you have everyone believing the aliens are protecting them, therefore the aliens are protecting them. A hurricane probably wouldn't damage an underwater UFO base. I really have nothing to base that off of. So there's that. It's not that the aliens are doing it out of any sort of friendliness towards the people nearby. It's that the people are doing it themselves. The real hurricane magic stopping power was in them all along. But we have the people who 100% believe that the UFO base is under there. You have the scientists trying to say... Why? That's not true. We have scientists keep bumping into us. I'm blow a little fence in their face. Take that, science, as they pass out. Quote, unquote, pass out. What I love about this story is the rest of the population of Tamil Pies. Basically, when they hear this story, all their eyeballs went, ka-ching! With little dollar signs popping out. Because the people of the area... One, they think it's a hilarious story, right? Like, you do have the people who believe it as fact. The other people go, ah, yeah, it's pretty funny. A bunch of aliens living nearby. How can I make money from that? So you can visit this region of Mexico, and it's all alien stuff. It's Roswell on steroids. It's Roswell on fentanyl. Actually, it's everywhere. They're little green alien balloons and trinkets and toys, and they really play up this belief to the fact that the local basketball team is called the Hurricanes and their mascot's a little alien dude. 
I'm like, that's pretty dope, dude. I actually was thinking about buying one of those jerseys or hats. They're really embracing this idea. I've talked about on other episodes, you can make so much money, like Stole Kansas. That's the place that supposedly has one of the seven gates of hell. Ariana Grande was there, not doing a concert. She was trying to find the gate to hell. There's an old episode as well. It's one of my favorite episodes, honestly. Everyone in town runs off the outsiders. They got Ariana Grande's autograph, and they're like, no, get out, witch! Ah." They run off outsiders, and I said in that episode, I said in the episode about the Dark Forest entity or the Dark Forest committee or whatever in, in Connecticut... That they also run off outsiders. I go, dude, you can make so much bank if you set up a little little store at the edge of town where you're selling like little Satan bobbleheads. I went to the gate of hell and came back and blah blah blah. We have have a better slogan on your shirt than that, but you could have you could have a local basketball team play basketball in the graveyard of Stull Cemetery, shooting hoops, build like a giant yeah, you have giant tombstones with basketball hoops on them. You would have your basketball team called the Hellions. The stole Kansas Hellions or something like that, see? And make so much money. And I think it's suspicious that... the I, I said, I think those groups are covering stuff up. Those places might really be haunted. Because why aren't people making money? Greed is good sometimes. Um, in the case of taking advantage of people who believe in the paranormal, yeah, it's totally fine. Because I get a cool shirt out of it, right? Like, I believe in aliens. I don't know exactly where they come from. We've talked about this several times on the show. I don't know if they're interdimensional, if they're already here from outer space, but that's dope. I would buy a Hurricanes, a Tamil Pies Hurricanes jersey. That's dope. People would be like, oh, you're a big fan of the sport? And I'm like, no, I just love, I just love alien knickknacks. And one more interesting side note to this story. The government in the area is tells people, listen, we know you really like this alien story, and we did name our team after this phenomenon. But you should be prepared that a hurricane may hit. At the very least, have some sort of bug out bag. Because even though there hasn't been a hurricane hitting here since 1966, and hurricanes are hitting all over Mexico and in the Gulf of Mexico and all that stuff, <laughs> just in case, just in case, be prepared. Because if this alien thing isn't true, we'd hate to see you guys get caught out. So that's kind of an interesting thing. Like the government has had to address it. But no hurricanes in, what is that, 40 years? Almost 50 years? But the people there, they do seem to be prepared just in case. And and they're having fun with it. And most importantly, they're making money. Ka-ching! Little eyeballs popping out. More than that, they're turning into dollar signs and popping out. The entire city's eyeballs just popped out. That's a completely different story. So backdoor burglar, let's call in that carpenter copter. We're going to leave behind Mexico. And we are headed out to... Wyoming. As we're flying to Wyoming, I realize you're flying the helicopter up really high. And I'm like, whoa, huh? What? And I look out the helicopter and we're like way too high. And I'm like, guys, (laughs) guys, we're way too high. I think I might have vertigo. The Alfred Hitchcock Classics Collection is available now on 4K Ultra HD Combo Pack with a Blu-ray and digital code from Universal Pictures Home Entertainment. The collection includes, for the very first time, the original, never-released, uncut version of Psycho. Universally recognized as the master of suspense, the legendary Alfred Hitchcock directed some of cinema's most thrilling and unforgettable classics. The collection includes four iconic films from the acclaimed director's illustrious career, including Rear Window, Vertigo, Psycho, and The Birds, in stunning 4K resolution. Starring Hollywood favorites such as James Stewart, Grace Kelly, 
Anthony Perkins, Janet Lee, Tippi Hedren, Kim Novak, and Rod Taylor. This essential collection features hours of bonus features as well as the original uncut version of Psycho for the first time ever. This collection with collectible disc book packaging includes hours of bonus features such as documentaries, expert commentaries, interviews, screen tests, and much, much more, I yell as I'm still getting vertigo in the carboner copter. So bring it down a little bit, backdoor burglar. And then I turn and I look out the rear window of the carpenter copter and I see we have arrived at our destination. We're at a Native American reservation here in Wyoming. The year is 1976. There are these two kids riding on a Honda minibike. We're going to call them Jesse and Paul. So Jesse is steering the thing, and Paul is on the back like a punk. He's the one sitting in the back. Sorry, Paul. We're at the Wind River Indian Reservation. It's in Thermopolis, Wyoming. It's August 1976. This Honda minibike is cutting lines through the desert. So Jesse and Paul are going down this dirt road. And something strikes Jesse. He's never been down this dirt road before. For whatever reason, he knows that he is down a road he's never been on before. And he's biked all over this area. But it's young. They're both 12 years old. This is a life adventure. So, motorbikes going down the dirt road. And then, this is a sound effect heavy episode. The bike slides in the dirt. It's dead. So the two kids get off the bike. They're trying to figure out what it was. Jesse said, I figured the spark plug went out because that's what it felt like. He's worked on his bike before. So he checks the spark plugs. They're totally fine. And him and his friend are puzzled. They don't know why the bike just died. And then Jesse says he feels utter fear wash over him. There are very few times in your life where you'll actually feel that sensation. There are soldiers in combat who have never felt that. You have your adrenaline pumping, a bunch of bodies all around the place, hopefully of the enemy. But you're in the zone. You may be fearful afterwards, but. This sense of utter fear. We hear a lot with paranormal stories. It's something that the human mind wasn't meant to comprehend. Unfortunately, our brains are made to comprehend violence. We're a very violent species. But when something abnormal, something that you could never imagine happens, you're just washed over. Your body is reacting to something that shouldn't exist. Jesse's washed over in this primal fear. He turns and he looks, and at the same time, so does Paul. Paul must be feeling the same emotion, because they both look over at the same time. And they see about 50 feet away, a man on a horse. Not unusual for this area. But this was no ordinary man on no ordinary horse. The man was dressed in all black, had a black cowboy hat, it was a black horse. But as Jesse's looking at this figure, there's something else going on. It's afternoon. The sun is up. We're not at dusk. We're not at dawn. There is not a single detail noticeable on this figure. He can see the hat, but the face is in shadow. But it is the darkest shadow. It's like he can see the outlines, but no details. He can see the outline of the clothes, 
But there's no buttons. There's no flesh visible where the wrist and the hands pop out of the black shirt. No detail on the black boots. They're only separated by 50 feet. Again, this isn't a vast distance. So when he's looking at the horse and he realizes, I can't even see that thing's eyes. They realize something is wrong. It's as if somebody cut a hole in the universe in the shape of a man on his horse. Other than the black silhouette, no other detail is visible. The man on the horse begins riding towards the two kids. He said that in this area, the shrubs were about two and a half to three feet tall. And he's, he's grown up around horses. He's driving his mini bike all over the place. He says, these shrubs are so big, you either go on the main road, go around the shrubs, or if you're on a horse, you got to jump over the shrubs. He goes, we're looking at this guy, and he's walking through the shrubs. Again, not as if it's pushing the shrubs aside. It's as if this is a hole in reality. It doesn't matter what is in front of it. It simply moves through it. The two kids at this point, they basically have they have very limited options. One, get captured by a universal impossibility. Two, take off running and hope they can outrun a man on a horse that's from some sort of alternate realm. Or really, really hope their motorbike starts working again. They get on the bike. Jesse, trying to start it, trying to start it, trying to start it. The rider is getting even closer to them. He finally, miraculously, gets the mini bike started. And he takes one look back at the rider. And he sees the rider still coming towards them. Kicking up dust, that mini bike flies down this unknown dirt road for about a mile. Jesse says as he's riding, he feels the fear disappear from him. They stop the minibike, and him and Paul get off of it. They scan the horizon. They've outrun whatever it was. And the two kids start talking, and they're like, what in the world was that? And they're like, yeah, I don't know. You saw it, right? Yeah, yeah, I saw it. Yeah, it was weird. It had no detail, whatever. Yeah, I don't know what that was. They're sitting there, they're chatting, and Jesse says, that feeling crept back over him. Him and Paul, again, look over at the same time. And this is where the story gets really weird. They had traveled a mile. This thing was nowhere to be seen. The feeling reappears. He turns and he looks, and he sees the writer is there again. But he said it is in the exact same position it was the last time I saw it. The horse's body position, the rider's body position, was exactly the same as the last time he saw it a mile ago. He described it as this. He said it was as if somebody froze time. Like if you had an image, if you had a movie of a man riding a horse, and then you paused the movie. So it's like one hoof is up in the air, the rider's looking off to the right, the arms are in a specific position, and then you pause that movie, and then you took that screen, moved it a mile, And then hit play right when somebody turned around. It broke all the laws of reality. At this point, point they are done exploring this unknown dirt road. They kick that mini bike into action. And don't stop until they hit the main road and then keep on going. I got this story from thinkaboutitdocs.com. 
And they got it from a website called hbccufo.org. It was a self-reported story. I think the story's creepy on a, on a very basic level. And it's something that, when you think about it, really puts you in peril. Now, not all of us are riding mini bikes in the middle of the desert. Not many of us really go anywhere where we're isolated. That's not the scary part of it. The scary part is this. And I see this all the time. People are afraid of ghosts or demons, what have you, and they still expect the laws of physics to protect them. I see this happen all the time, either in stories. I see it all the time in horror movies, and I've met people who also have expressed these beliefs. People are in a haunted house. They leave the house they expect to be safe. But a house is something that humans have created. There's, there's nothing real about it. There's no predetermined boundary there outside of what you paid the county for the land or where you've agreed for your walls to be. That means nothing in a metaphysical world. UFOlogy is full of aliens walking through walls and beaming people up. They will see themselves going through the roof of a house Phasing technology, teleportation, invisibility, all of these things are very well known and paranormal, but people still have this thing when they get that horrible feeling they're being followed, they go, if I can get home, I'll be safe. But it's applying physics to a non-physical entity. Physics won't save you. Sound won't save you. You can be in one room and you see something crawl out of your closet and you're screaming for help, your loved ones in the next room will not hear you. I've personally had that experience happen. Multiple times, actually. Well, twice. But that's, that's multiple. Sound. All of these things we take for granted. Sound. Light. What's to stop some sort of entity as you're walking into your bathroom? You wake up in the morning, you walk into your bathroom, brush your teeth. All of a sudden, the lights go out. But it's not just that. The lights haven't gone out. All light has disappeared. You're blind. You can't see anything in this pitch blackness. Can't call out for help. You can't see. Reality can be warped at any moment by these things. And yet we still find these comforts. Salt will save me. Sage will save me. These are physical items. And you're using it against a non-physical entity. Not only that, not only just a non-physical entity. Gas would be, I guess, considered non-physical. But... Something that exists outside of our reality. The fact of the matter is, is these kids could have driven to Timbuktu. The difference between moving a mile for this type of spirit and moving 8,000 miles is nothing. The only thing that really lim I think that we find comfort in is that we have haunted locations where we go, that house is haunted, that's a haunted forest, that's a haunted dirt path. So if we're not there, we'll be safe. But the point of the matter is, you're not safe. These things can go anywhere. It's like the childhood belief of pulling your covers up over your head. As an adult, we look back and go, well, that's dumb. The boogeyman could easily just find you underneath the covers. But we still hide under the covers. We just do it in other ways. As you're walking through that dark parking lot, you think something's out in the bushes. You feel a little safer when you're in your car, right? When the doors are locked. And if that's a human adversary, you're definitely a lot safer. But if it's a dark silhouette, doesn't matter how many locked doors you have. So just remember this the next time you're going to bed and you have that thing where you can't sleep with the bathroom door open or you can't sleep if a light's on in the other room. 
because you're afraid you'll see feet standing outside your door. Those are small comforts, but they're useless. That door might as well not exist at all. These things will get you no matter what, if they want to. And the reason why they haven't gotten you yet is because they haven't wanted to. But someday, they will. Someday that creature under your bed will slither out. Or that sewer grate you walk by every morning. The thing in there will get tired of simply watching you and follow you home. Or that odd feeling you get while sitting at the bus stop. It's not just a feeling. Something is behind you. Eventually, these things will get bored of simply watching. They will get you. And there's absolutely nothing you can do about it. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash DeadRabbitRadio. Twitter is at DeadRabbitRadio. Happy dreams, guys. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys. Peace.